We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If you got in a car accident or like having trouble breathing, yeah. I would go to emergency if I had a really bad hockey skate cut on the neck. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt. If you have an emergency or if you're not sure, we're here to help. Know your options. Call HealthLink at 811 or visit ahs.ca/options. This episode of Mar Manhood is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member. Then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks, for just ten dollars a month or one hundred dollars per year. So get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. On the last episode of Mar Manhood, we surveyed the landscape of masculinity in the last ten years, starting from Tony Porter's Madbox and the election of Rob Ford, all the way to the end of 2017. In this episode, the first of 2020, Happy New Year's, everybody! We continue the conversation with Jake Stega, Executive Director at Next Gen Men, highlighting what causes ripples in the world of gender and masculinity. Starting, unfortunately, from the van attack in Toronto, all the way to 2019, including things like the Don Cherry firing. Finishing off with what we think the next 10 years will look like for us and for this world. Because this will be the next decade of modern manhood. Modern manhood is brought to you by Next Gen Men and the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. If you want to support Next Gen Men in redefining and undefining what it means to be a man, you can head over to nextgenmen.ca. Your contributions support the promotion of positive masculinities, healthy relationships, and gender equity among the next generation of men. Again, head over to nextgenmen.ca and support us however you like. Okay, so 2018 was a big year in Toronto um, or in Ontario, uh, what I'm seeing here universe sorry yeah the center of the universe that's right (laughs) oh boy um again one of those things that i that i got a chance to talk about uh in the last episode of modern manhood uh was around uh violence and community uh but the van attack in toronto was a big big deal um and and it happened it's notable because it happened in canada and it's one of the like the elliot rogers uh, incident. This was inspired by Elliot Roger. Um, seven women were killed. Uh, no, seven people were killed. Um, the majority of them women uh, in Toronto. Um, this was a terrible incident. Yeah. Um, and like going back to the Elliot Roger piece, like I, I, I hate to, um, you know, bring it up, but, but folks like this uh, who take this on, you know, they say the Supreme gentleman 
Elliot Roger, and he really was that martyr for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, so, so terrible. You know, uh, we have this Canadian superiority complex where we like to think that we're, you know, above certain things. Yeah. But yeah. this was, you know, brought us, you know, crashing down and, and really made us look at what kind of culture we have here around, um, you know, masculinity and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. it's it's That's one cool. of those things where if you the his his recordings came out where he was in the police station, um, of how he was talking about this issue, and it seemed like he was like, oh, it felt like he was away from the actual situation, and he kept talking about it in these weird, in his weird vocabulary that was used only specifically on the internet. A brief moment of emotion, but otherwise Alec Manassian shows little as he describes the randomness of his attack. I was driving down Young because I knew it would be a busy area. And then as soon as I saw there were uh, pedestrians, Mm -hmm. I just decided to uh, go for it. The only reason I stopped my attack was because someone's drink got splashed on my uh, windshield. And I was worried that I would uh, crash the van anyway. So I... He felt like so detached from reality and it's so, it's, it's a terrible thing to, to listen to. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to, to hear that a person like this could be not only radicalized through the internet or through things like um, the incel conversation that we had, that happened after this attack, but um, just to be just a person that's just doesn't understand the, the immense loss that he just did. Um, so it, it's a terrible thing that happened in Toronto. I don't know. This next one that this leads into um, and also happening in Toronto uh, was the St. Michael's College uh, School, uh, SMS, mm-hmm. uh, the situation that happened there with the, I, I even ha- hate to say hazing, like it was a sexual assault. You know? it was, yeah, it was absolutely a sexual assault. Uh, you know, we, I think that we culturally minimize these things and under the boys will be boys banner we call it hazing but absolutely uh there was a group of these athletes who who sexually assaulted one of their classmates one of their teammates and uh um next gen men actually kind of close to this we were we were in the mix for for possible solutions and so Mm -hmm. i i actually went into the school and and met with uh some of their their uh, establishment and and kind of had the conversation there and and you know even from where I was sitting I, I can't really say too too much but uh, you know there's the the old boys club and the the next generation of leaders there and and there was a dynamic in and around you know how things should be moving forward and uh, in the end they didn't choose working with us they went with another agency and uh, you know we're we're seeing where those things go um, you know the latest report shows that there's still a a culture of, of bullying there um obviously that won't that doesn't get fixed with you know um 40 workshops in four months no but, um the the culture needs to be to be worked on yeah absolutely and and uh, we talked right at the top of the podcast about culture um in the penn state case and uh, i this is again a continuation of that and, and happened in the ohio case this two bill rip case and this is the same idea and um it's a lot of these themes come up again power culture um and this mentality of uh, of dominance uh that happens and uh and unfortunately it continues on um and you know, uh, you know what else comes up again what 
the Fords. <laughs> of course. We started talking to them in 2010. Here we go again. <laughs> Ford elected 2018. Um, currently still leading the, uh, the great province of Ontario. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are suffering because of that. You know, um, a lot of social services cut, um, you know, running it on a, on a very populist mandate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's rough, you know, and, and I think that uh, we're, we're all, us as Albertans are getting a lot of empathy now for what we're going through with Jason Kenney and, and we can understand it uh, with our, our peers in Ontario. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see in Canada what like and a lot of people are kind of linking this to what happened with Donald Trump and, and what happened in Brazil and what happened in the UK with Brexit and all the situations about this this kind of populist movement, this very conservative populist movement. Doug Ford kind of led to that, that kind of case as well, too. Uh, but now in December of 2019, you know, polls have shown that. Doug Ford is like the least like premier in Canada. So this is not something that works or is winning or is a winning formula for helping people out or it's something that people like. Um, and, and I think it was, I think it could be fair to say that this wasn't like much so much of a Doug Ford election. It was a, a, an anti Catherine Wynne election. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, uh, I like that you brought up winning because a lot of people, you know, they think about uh, these types of political movements as, as winning and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they cheer on certain things and they don't expect it to happen to them. But, but these movements turn on them. They don't necessarily see themselves in that. And um, it's uh, I think it's a, a quick realization for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that, that we'll talk about when we get to 2019. Uh, but before we get to that, um, there was another, like, again, something talking about with Donald Trump, um, Supreme Court case of Brett Kavanaugh. Brett groped me and tried to take off my clothes. He had a hard time because he was very inebriated and because I was wearing a one-piece bathing suit underneath my clothing. I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling. This is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe, and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me. I was not at the party described by Dr. Ford. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. The Constitution gives the Senate an important role in the confirmation process, but you have replaced advice and consent with search and destroy. You know, I'm a, I'm a political junkie, and I think this is actually worse than Donald Trump because, you know, Trump can be impeached, he, uh, even though he won't be thrown out, but Trump can be elected out. But a Supreme Court seat is often a lifetime appointment, and now the Supreme Court is, is, uh, is biased in, in a, a specific direction, and it was a very strategic move uh, made by political operatives a long time ago. And so, you know, when we think about what we talked about a few times with these predators in terms of like sexual harassment and sexual assault, I think there exist certain predators in spaces, um, you know, political spaces where they're plotting and scheming for, for their benefits and their outcomes. 
cough, cough, Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> yep. But, uh, you know, there was a blocking of a, of a Barack Obama appointment. And, mm-hmm. and we get Brett Kavanaugh, who, you know, um, a woman uh, stepped forward. Uh, do, do you? Dr. Dr. Ford. Uh, Ford, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Dr. Ford stepped forward, very credible witness, very strong testimony about how Brett Kavanaugh sexually harassed her when they were uh, in undergrad or high school together. And, um, you know, a lifetime of change perhaps from that, but uh, that is an individual who, you know, those were their values and the Supreme Court is held up as the values of the nation. Absolutely. And it's, it's terrible to see that, um, that this was kind of a political move for something that, again, felt reactionary. Um, the one thing that I, I, I really like about what happened with Brad Kavanaugh, and it's all, it all has nothing to do with Brad Kavanaugh himself, it's more to do with Dr. Ford, is that um, she really, again, uh, embraced, embracing this idea that of trauma, of like, and we learned a lot more about trauma th- through her testimony than we did with anything else that year. Um, how trauma kind of resurfaces when um, things like this come up. Like uh, Dr. Blasey Ford, she she was re-traumatized through this appointment and had to like like figure out like, oh yeah, that's right. This person actually raped me. Um, so it was really interesting to see what the conversation was around trauma um and i and kudos to dr christine blazy ford she really just, uh, just so we don't get in trouble uh the the allegation was not actually about rape um, oh i'm sorry allegation yes yeah it was a sexual assault right sexual assault um Correct. yeah so just just want to make sure that we don't get no in no no you're totally right but uh, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, one thing that we all need to think about, and even just in the space that we work in, we talk about trauma-informed, um, you know, the systems that be, whether you go into a nationally televised hearing or not, having victims recount what happened to them is incredibly re-traumatizing. Um, and many uh, victims don't even go through that because they can't bear it, right? And mm-hmm. so that's why... Uh, we're we're not seeing egregious cases like that uh, reported, and then also even further upstream, you know, here in Canada, we had a a, a, a judge ourselves who asked a woman who had been uh, raped, unfortunately, uh, why she didn't keep her legs closed. Right. And, um, you know, when when the justice system asks you questions like that, there is very little faith to come forward. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, and we talked about this before, but. One of the nice things that came out of 2018, one of my favorite shows, uh, got released. It was Queer Eye, um, and Queer Eye was uh, a seminal show in regards to masculinity. A lot of people talked about it in a sense of how men are seeking to be vulnerable, and men are seeking to um, feel this this weight of masculinity that they feel just to kind of live through life, and having. Uh, these gay men who portray like these multiple masculinities in a fantastic way. I think when you look at Queer Eye, you you can see multiple masculinities playing out in right there on your on your screen of all these five gay men living uh, their masculinity in their own way, and also trying to help other guys, mostly other guys, and they obviously do other uh, genders as well, but also try to help out other genders as well. But at the same time, it I to see them. Uh, 
the way that they portray their own masculinities and also be able to help out other men is was a fantastic fresh breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, again, you're you're the pop culture guy. In this <laughs> Who's your favorite queer eye character, Jake? <laughs> I couldn't name one. I, I, I Come on. Me on the spot. <laughs> when I think about this, you're gonna get Veronica on the show, man. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have stepped up for this, but. Um, <laughs> Thinking about this, though, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about masculinities, uh, you know, and and some of the academic critique is coming around to this now, I don't think we talk enough about homophobia, you know, no. like a big You're part right. of how we police masculinity and having a show like Queer Eye, uh, normalizing the multiple masculinities of, of gay men in the mainstream there, uh, I think is, is really progressive. And uh, it's really important because, you know, the way that we police ourselves, uh, as men is not just in comparison to uh, the quote-unquote opposite sex, but uh, to uh, gay men, and and we denigrate uh, gay men in our in our language and in our insults and those kinds of things. And so, uh, I think it's really important to to normalize that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, this comes out to this year, this last year, and right at the top of the year, this happened, and maybe in January, February. Two major things happened. I wanted to talk about these two things um, right off the top. Uh, the Gillette ad came out, yeah, um, which was uh, amazing. Uh, you know, I, I, I laugh at the backlash that that saw because oh my it, gosh, yeah, <laughs> so mild. Um, you know, I, folks listening, uh, Herman and I write to each other often, and I, I complimented him on his uh, lexicon. He loves to use the word milk toast and like milky toast. Milk <laughs> toast. Sorry. Uh, you know, also, my second uh, English is also my second language. Uh, milky toast. And it's like, that's what that commercial was. It was it was definitely a, a stand for positive masculinities, but it wasn't radical. It no. wasn't you no know, paradigm shifting, whatever. And so the backlash that came to that was just humorous to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what else do you want to say about that? You know what? Like, I usually don't give this thing, these things credit because I'm just like, ah, whatever. We've heard about this. Like, we've been talking about this since whenever. Like, since, you know, like you pick up any type of masculinity textbook and you're like, yeah, I've heard about this. Um, so in 2019, when a, when a commercial airs this, to me, it's, all, oh, it's, it's part of the culture now. It's part of the discourse. Like it's already like like beyond. It's like if your dad picks up like a pop culture disc and you're like, oh, I like this. You know, I like this. Um, I don't know Lana Del Rey or like, oh, I like Lord. And you're like, oh, now it's not like cool anymore. <laughs> like it's like it's it's past the culture. I feel like if Gillette, one of the biggest companies in the world, comes out with a, an ad about masculinity, you know, it's like, oh, we're part of the culture now. <laughs> it is not, we're not like outsiders of the other. That's how I felt about the Gillette ad. It was like, oh, it's, it's being embraced. It's like Disney does a, a, a movie about masculinity. You're like, oh yeah, of course. That, you're, I'm, we're part I'm of the culture. You that up though, because like the, the dad piece, like the one, I think the one really big piece of this was Gillette is a brand that's been around for a really long time. Like I remember my dad shaving with like Gillette blades when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so that is the evidence and the evolution of a brand growing up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That was a big big. brand. Yeah, that was big. And then, um, you know, you're, you're definitely what I would call a hipster. (laughs) 
and getting into the the mainstream through that i think is is also really important yes the good thing like like my boss like my my boss's boss's boss came up to me because she knows i was like oh i i do a lot of stuff around masculinity and she, she when the gillette ad came out she came to see me about it and talk to me about it and was very happy to see it and she's like oh so that's why I know that's that's one of those signs to me that the sign supposed to be like, oh, we're it's okay to talk about these things in the open. So that's the one great thing about the Gillette ad was that okay, that's it's it's part of the mainstream, like you mentioned. I think I think thirty people sent it to me probably. Yeah. <laughs> and like when when that happens, it's like, you know, you know you're doing something right when you're like the guy that people are seeking out in and around that. Exactly. Um, so that was great. And then just a quick end point yeah. that kind of, I think, bleeds into the next point we're about to make is, is um, there's no going back, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are starting movements now about, uh, you know, let's go back to the way things used to be and whatnot. There, there just isn't any going back. Like all of these things are in the mainstream. They're not going to leave our collective consciousness. And so rather than grasping to what was, we really need to wrap our heads around what will be. Absolutely. And I think that what helps that is when an association like the uh, American Psychology Association releases guidelines um, for therapy, including masculinity. You know, we know that in at least in Canada, masculine or not masculinity, but rather gender is one of the 12 social determinants of health. And so when we're talking about mental health and we know all of the issues, which we're also going to touch on shortly mm. around masculinity and mental health, it's really important that uh, these guidelines exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I like putting those, this, these two things together, the APA and the Gillette ad. I think they were, they kind of were like hand in hand. The APA came out first and then the Gillette ad came out the second time, but people were talking about it at almost the same time. So, um, yeah, again, it was like, I felt like I'm like, this is part of the mainstream now. We're part of it now. Um, we made so, it. We made it. <laughs> oh, we made it. <laughs> Only took 10 years. <laughs> um, the next thing, I, this is something that um, happened just recently, uh, but I think it, it's something that like, it's kind of, rejuvenating this idea of culture and rejuvenating this idea of like uh, that we are, we're moving in a different direction now as a, as a society, especially here in Canada. Um, it really was prompted from the, the firing of Don Cherry and Don Cherry was somebody like, if you're a Canadian, you know who Don Cherry is. You probably have an opinion about Don Cherry. Um, like this is like a, a, a very prominent figure in Canada talking about hockey and very old school was a person. He Don Cherry <laughs> back to twenty. John Madden. For if we have any American listeners who you know grew up in the nineties, he's the John Madden of hockey. Yeah, he and and just to give you some context, we talked about twenty ten and Rob Ford. Don Cherry was the man who introduced Rob Ford to when he was elected to, to the, as mayor of Toronto, he was the one who was like, this is Rob Ford. And he called everybody a pinko at the time. <laughs> so Don Cherry is that person. Yeah. He's been around TV for ages. He was fired from, from hockey night in Canada from Sportsnet for saying uh, a racist remark. He called everybody, you people for not buying poppies. Um, and this is goes over the culture and history of xenophobia and bigotedness that he, he has had. This is not something that was just a one-off incident. This was something that was years and years and years in the making. Wow. Um, 
And just to, to add a little flavor to that, if anyone's like, you people is not a racist term. It was very clearly aimed at, you know, the immigrants. people, the communities where there are lots of immigrants and newcomers. He talked about coming here and liking our milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of coded xenophobic uh, language in that. Um, and then it was like Herman said, you know, building on years of, comments like the only way your team can win a Stanley Cup is if you have, you know, a Canadian captain, you know, even even his like Canadian patriotism did not uh, extend to French Canadians. Absolutely. Hilarious. It's it's absolutely ridiculous that that man was was still on the air in 2019. um, And to the point. So, but this prompted um, a real conversation about culture and hockey and um, Akeem Alou, uh, an ex-hockey player, uh, came out with some statements about how he was ab- abused when he was younger, when he was playing in the AHL by Bill Peters. He, Bill Peters used some racist language, um, the N-word specifically, uh, many times against Akeem Alou, who is a black player. If you have a message for the NHL, advice to the league or any other major hockey organization out there in terms of... Um, uh, issues involving race in the sport. What's, what would be your advice to NHL officials or any other league officials in terms of how they should conduct themselves and what they should do moving forward so that this doesn't happen again to other players? Well, I think first and foremost, and that's what we're trying to do with my team, I think we need to have them, I think that's the number one thing to any issue worldwide is to agree that there's a problem. And I think there's still been failure to agree to the fact that we have a systematic problem in the National Hockey League and in hockey in general, from grassroots, from, 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 from tykes to all the way up to the professional ranks. So I think that's first and foremost is just to, just to agree on the fact that there is a problem of race and discrimination in our game. And then moving on from there, kind of just to touch on the points that we talked about before, I think they, we need, they need to come together with minorities and people that have been directly affected by these issues and talk to them and get together and see, hey, what did you guys experience? How, did you, how do you feel about what's going on? How do you feel about moving forward? What ideas do you have moving forward for us? Not sit down with our owners and figure that out on your own with people that have never been... In, never been in, in, and Bill Peters was fired for that incident and then has come out with other allegations about other people who have used racist... Um, tones with hockey player hockey being a very predominantly white sport um, white yeah and that's and this is something that has prompted not only the 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 idea about racism that um, that has embedded in hockey culture but also the idea of abuse with coaches and abuse with uh, people in power again another aspect of culture and power and dominance that that we are in the, again critiquing, and so again we're we're in this in this in the space one more time. Yeah, and um, you know even worse. Well, not even worse, but like you know violence manifests in so many ways. But even it came out that Bill Peters physically abused his players. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this also, you know, we didn't write this down, and I can't remember if it was 2018 or maybe even earlier this year. But um, you know, thinking of Dan Carcillo and. Mm-hmm. and stuff that he came out about you know um again like i think that we're minimizing it when we call it hazing but like the shit that these people did to each other as a rite of passage is denigrating 
humiliating, embarrassing, shameful, like, and, and this is the masculine culture that people, you know, die to be a part of. And, and I think, you know, what you're saying about this critique, like, when we like, actually put it on a microscope, it's like, what the hell are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, like, I'm glad you mentioned Dan Carcillo. Dan Carcillo has been um, a prominent hockey activist about, uh, specifically about abuse and about head injuries. Or before that, he started this stuff in like 2015. Like, he started talking about um, abuse and uh, and head trauma. And when his friends uh, enforcers died in 2015, he's been a prominent member of trying to speak truth to power. And uh, good on you, Dan Carcillo. He's he's a lot of people like Don Cherry was not a big fan of Don Carcillo, by the way. Uh, so good for Don, Dan Carcillo. And this is still going on. It's still uh, a conversation that we're having. Like Jim Montgomery from the Dallas Stars just recently got let go for um, a, a coach in Dallas. He got let go for, for unnamed reasons, but it wasn't hockey reasons. And yeah. now we get to a point in, in the NHL where when we fire a coach, which happens all the time, we, they have to identify – is this a hockey reason or not? Because this yeah. is where it's going. Yeah. And, and the last thing I want to say on this before we move on to the next point, um, you know, shout out to another podcast, CBC Frontburner. They just had a conversation mm-hmm. with Dan Carcillo. And I feel bad because I'm forgetting his name, but he's uh, that hockey player that I referenced earlier about coming out as gay. Uh, oh, had a yeah. conversation. And um, apparently this other hockey player, player was asked about Dan Carcillo and and whether or not he's genuine and whatnot. And he had such a beautiful answer. And he said, you know, Dan is out here and he's not shying away from the things he's done and said in his past. And he's talking uh, truth to power and saying, I did these things and it was shitty of me and I regret it. And I don't think that they should happen again. And so like through that as well, if anyone's listening to this, like there is hope people can change. You just Mm -hmm. have to admit what it was. And then, acknowledge it and move through that like there's a lot of healing obviously that goes in that but uh really really powerful when people do that absolutely uh the, the hockey player you're thinking of is uh, brock mcgillis from the ohl yeah. yeah so uh last two points before we end the year uh we were a bit out of order on this one but the the michael jackson leaving neverland doc came out yeah. um we can no longer listen to to michael jackson hashtag canceled <laughs> uh, just kidding uh Did you, yeah i was just gonna ask I was like do you still listen to michael jackson i i'm i don't think i seek him out but like he's mm-hmm. just such a part of the fabric the culture you know we keep coming back to this conversation of culture and and i think that uh you know if i hear him then i think about it and i comment on it and it's a good catalyst for discussion. Um, and, you know, there's lots of things that are, are, you know, even being said about the documentary and the youth and all that stuff. But, but there was some really messed up stuff there. And again, it's an entry point into a really rich conversation, especially around like how hurt people hurt people. Because if mm-hmm. you think about how Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 were raised, like that'll mess you up. And yeah, unfortunately, totally. you know, his trauma manifested in the trauma of others and, and that's wrong. But yeah. um, again, a great touch point for conversation. Absolutely. And again, it's one of those things where like uh, when we talk about pop culture and um, and the people who have abused, it's it's we, we touched upon it with Michael Kimmel and we can continue on with um, with other people who have uh, I, I think this is a personal I I. I'm landing on right now. And then this might change as the coming years go on. I feel like 
you can absolutely denigrate the, the person who abuses person, but the, the work that they've done, I don't know. I think that's a personal choice as to if you want to listen to Michael Jackson, if you don't, <clears throat> I personally, and I don't know about you, Jake, but this, my personal opinion about this is that I, I'm not going to like shame people now for like, what, like listening to Michael Jackson, knowing, even knowing that, you know what I mean? This is a, this is a really important conversation to bring up Herman. Like, we need to, amongst those of us who care about social justice, stop measuring each other's wokeness by how we cancel or uncancel other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that personal choice. We make those choices for certain reasons. Um, you know, I, I think as long as we, you know, denounce the bad things that happened, uh, I think that's important. And and it, it, this is how personal it is. Like Michael Jackson, I can sit there and I can say, I guess I could kind of sort of listen to him. But one person I personally can't stand to hear right now is R. Kelly. Absolutely. Like, and like, yep. they're, they're, like, they're one and the same. They're abusers. They're, you know, those kinds of things. But uh, why am I, why am I drawing that line? And that, And that's personal. And I'm working through that myself. And I think mm-hmm. that by having rich conversations like this, we can help get to a solution. But by just writing people off because of who they write or don't write off, like doesn't help anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it is a tough conversation. And it's something that, like I, like I said, I, like, <laughs> I did a whole episode on this. And it's something that's um, like Veronica and I touched, like talked about it a lot. And we didn't, we couldn't come to a, a, a true conclusion because I don't think there is one right now. And uh, it, I, like I said, I am, I'm done with shaming people for liking things that that's because I feel it's a, it's a personal right. And yeah. And I think you're right. There is, I think there needs to be kind of a room in the culture to be to, for personal, for personal conflict. You know what I mean? So, yeah. No, um, who canceled though. Yeah. I'll definitely cancel this person. <laughs> <laughs> as, as two, two Albertans, I, I do <laughs> you now, but uh, Jason Kenny is canceled. To those folks who are going to be gathering at the legislature today, I want them to know that when they charged their iPhones last night, it was with power being generated out of this plant. When they power up the speakers at the legislature today, the power that lets them be heard came from power generated at power plants like this that will be cutting their greenhouse gas emissions in half because of practical measures like this. Now folks, Albertans and Canadians are practical people. They like real world solutions. And calling for the end of the modern industrial economy, advocating to put millions of people out of work, putting out of work our First Nations contractors and indigenous people who work at plants like this, telling us that you can't, we have to shut down all of the airplanes and every car and stop powering the, the, the cell phones and stop heating our homes in the winter is not a real-world solution. From the folks who say, who are opposed actually, of, to, to pipelines like this that actually reduce emissions, to the folks who are actually opposed to nuclear power with zero emissions, to the folks who are openly opposed to technological solutions that help us to reduce emissions. We say this right here today. Cancelled. Um, he's been elected uh, premier of Alberta. Um, uh, Herman from Edmonton, myself from Calgary. 
this 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 person is canceled. Canceled, absolutely. <laughs> uh, fourth worst, uh, like fourth uh, least like premier in Alberta uh, right now. Um, I you know Jason Kenny is somebody that he's been in power for less than a year and is already has caused a lot of worry, concern, anxiety, and just just job losses. And uh, um, it's 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 a tough time right now in Alberta, and uh, a lot of people are feeling it. And uh, you know it's it's one of those things where these reactionary things happen. Um, you know, Jason Kenny I felt was elected on the back of of people not liking Rachel Notley for whatever reason. And we talked about Rachel Notley before and, and the same thing will happen with Doug Ford. They, he was elected on the back of another women premier, you know, whatever you think of Kathleen Wynne, still a women premier. Um, like it's, it's one of those things where we're like, these people are getting elected. Uh, and we, I mean, it goes back to Donald Trump and, and, you know, again, whatever opinion you have of Hillary Clinton, still a woman. Right. So yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like, whatever it is that we're going against these women um, and these reactionary ways. And, and like I mentioned, same thing with Doug Ford, like, we're not winning here. <laughs> Nobody's there's, winning. There's, you know, there's the political piece that you, you uh, definitely bring up, but uh, you know, it really struck me when you said in power, because Jason Kenney is the embodiment of someone who seeks power by mm-hmm. any necessary, right? Like you can see it through his career um, you know, going to uh, Bible college and then um, denigrate, like trying to separate uh, people dying of the HIV AIDS epidemic from their same sex partners. Um, you know, like that is, that is just, you know, gutless, um, you know, the way that he acted in that. We saw how he, you know, climbed the ranks of the uh, federal party when he was involved there. We have a huge scandal of how he even got elected in Alberta mm-hmm. by supporting, you know, uh, I don't even know what they're calling them, like a shadow candidate or whatever. Yeah, like the kamikaze campaign. The kamikaze kind of candidate, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, the power is the word there. And, you know, I, I literally, I worry, I worry for the men of Alberta. Mm-hmm. Me you too. Know, Canada is a, a country where 51% of our population is female. Alberta, on the flip side, is the only uh, province that is 51% male because of the male-dominated industries that we have there. The number one job that men disclose on their tax returns is truck driver. What are these uneducated, or sorry, not uneducated, I'm I'm not saying that in a diminishing way, I'm saying undereducated. These men have not often not finished school, so they don't have a lot of knowledge and and expertise to, to reapply somewhere else but they've worked their careers in this resource dependent economy in an economy where, you know, you got to drive truck and those kinds of things, but within five years, we're going to have autonomous trucks. Absolutely. They're going to be out of work. And what are we going to do with them? Because their man box throwing it way back to 2010 Mm -hmm. doesn't allow them to pursue uh, career paths in, uh, you know, caregiving, nursing, early childhood education, the places where we're actually going to see a lot of growth over the next period of time because we have an aging population and those kinds of things. So those are my fears for the yeah. men of Alberta. And when I look at a leader like Jason Kenney, that is a guy who does not give a fuck. Yeah, he doesn't. He really doesn't. He's, it's very much a power structure for him, a power tri- not even a power trip. It's just this is a, a reach for power. I don't think he's a person that it has Alberta's interest at heart. 
Um, and and it's a good point that you make about um, about the male unemployment rate because um, I've heard a study about the as the numbers of unemployment rate goes up in in most places, uh, especially with young men, um, the suicide rate goes up. Every one uh, percent in unemployment equals sixteen suicides in Alberta. Yeah, it, that's in uh, a really sad and abhorrent statistic. So it's it's. It's something that we got to watch out for. It's something that I, I know I'm keeping my eye out on. I'm sure you are keeping your eye out on, Jake. Um, it's something that we, as Albertans, have to reach out as a, as a community and um, help each other out through these times. And, and it's right now, no one's winning right now. And like we can talk about how, okay, so conservative government goes in. Like, yeah, maybe some conservative people are, are, are happy right now. But like, to be honest, no one's winning who are, right now, so. who are happy right now are the ones who had money to lose you know like yeah. um the people it, it maintains the status quo but yeah um to quickly translate you know the the worries and the concerns that we have around men's health and well-being and prosperity um we we have to shout out we didn't we didn't put these uh according to year but over the last 10 years we've we've lost some really important men in mm-hmm. the culture and um, whether that be intentional or accidental uh, due to drug use, you know, a lot of these hit us really hard. Um, yep. Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Linkin Park. I grew up an angry white kid. Uh, and when I say angry, I don't mean like, you know, I was out committing robberies and stuff like that. But I think, you know, as a teenager, we're all slightly disenfranchised. And like Linkin Park and the way, you know, he he sang and the lyrics and those kinds of things that was like mm-hmm. big for me when i was a teenager right right me too like um i wasn't the biggest lincoln park fan but I, like to be honest the chester bennington news really really hit me hard and uh um it's i i, I felt it as much because there was there were so many pictures around his daughter and whatnot so it's definitely one of them uh the other one that really hit me hard was anthony anthony bourdain um he was somebody that i again one of those like like a real front-worthy male feminist who was like loud and proud about it and somebody who really cared about culture someone who really cared about community someone who really cared about making sure that no one felt othered um keep battling depression and and i i really felt for anthony bourdain and so you know i think this podcast i'm really really exposing myself how out of touch i am with pop culture but like again bourdain was one of those people i knew of him but i didn't i wasn't a a huge follower Mm -hmm. but the mourning that happened when he passed away really made me go look at who anthony bourdain was and i have fallen in love and it has been as tragic as it is, it has been such a, 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 a treasure trove for me to discover. The first book I read this year was Kitchen Confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner and I have finished all the seasons of Parts Unknown, more or less. Um, you know, when we talk about, you said culture, you know, he is all about multiple masculinities. Going Absolutely. World where other people did not go venture and, and sharing that with us. Um, you know, going back to that accountability piece, talking about uh, Dan Carcillo, you know, Anthony Bourdain being the first person to tell you I was a real piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going from that. And my favorite, favorite story about Anthony Bourdain was uh, years ago, a, a journalist asked him whether or not he identified as a feminist mm-hmm. and answered the question. 
And then after the Me Too movement happened, he happened to see that journalist somewhere, walked up to them and said, are you recording this? Write this down. I'm a fucking feminist. And I love that. I love that too. uh, I love that too. I'm I'm still going on my Anthony Bourdain journey and it it is a treat. It is absolutely true. Yeah, he very sad that that he passed away uh other people that passed away during these 10 years especially by suicide these are people that we really wanted to uh, mention chris cornell from soundgarden you know alexander mcqueen um famous fashionista uh, dave mira bmx writer uh tony scott director uh Vern troyer mini me uh and and robin williams who definitely affected a lot of people that one hurt that one really hurt. That one really hurt. He would like, and this is, you know, uh, again, shedding a spotlight. Um, you know, you could be the happiest person in a room and also the saddest person in the room at the same time. Absolutely. And you know what, Robin Williams, actually, I remember having a conversation with young people about Robin Williams and about suicide. Um, just that, that you can supposedly, quote unquote, have it all and still um, felt the effect of, 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 of negative mental health and, uh, yeah, that one that one really hurt. So that was 10 years, Jake. How do you feel? Oh. <laughs> did you ever do one of did you do one of those like this is who I am in 2010 and this is how I am in 2019? Uh no, no. I <laughs> I didn't fall for that uh, Russian propaganda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the last piece of thing that I, I wanted to mention, we want we should have a conversation about. Um, like we've gone through all these years and we talked about the specific themes, right? We talked about culture. We talked about power. We talked about privilege. And we talked about like mental health. We talked about assault. We talked about poop. <laughs> like... So what do you think the conversation is going to look like, not even in the two years, five years, or even in 2029? You know, um, one of the most poignant things that I heard around uh, feminism and, you know, there's first wave feminism, second wave, third wave, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I, I'm not a theorist. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But the person said the reason they're called waves is because there's always an undertow. Mm. And, um, you know, whatever, again, if we're going to call it fourth wave feminism, the fourth industrial revolution, blah, 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 whatever. But I think a huge component of it is, as we've seen over the last 10 years, is engaging men in a gender-based conversation. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. think that too often the dominant narrative, whether that be white people in race straight people in sexuality or men in gender don't see themselves as part of the issue at hand. And the more that we can do to frame the conversation that includes them and shows them, you know, not only as quote unquote the problem, but also impacted by the conversation, the more we can bring those people into being part of the solution. Absolutely. I, you know what, and when I think about it, and there's some, obviously there's some people that we didn't highlight, um, some very notable events, like we, Black Lives Matter, we didn't highlight, um, it, specifically kind of a more of a race and power, less so masculinity, but obviously masculinity is still part of this conversation. Um, Colin Kaepernick was a big one. Uh, Greta Thunberg was another one that was a big figure in these last few years. Um, and 
you know, if I think about uh, people like Veronica, who's really like, who's embraced this idea of climate change and this idea how climate and the environment is really going to affect the way that we look at everything. Um, I duly do think that in the next 10 years, that's going to be the big, big part of the conversation. Um, and lately, as you've noticed in, in Modern Manhood, I have been talking a lot more about this, about this idea of nature, this idea of environment, this idea about the oil culture in Alberta and how masculinity actually affects those, those thoughts. Um, when I see what is the conversation going to look like in the next 10 years, I really do think the, this idea of community is going to be the big thing. Um, I also think about the the conversation we've had about mental health in the last 10 years, that that has definitely has risen um, and how we need to be less isolated and how we need to actually form connections. Um, in the UK, there's a whole ministry of like loneliness that, that people are actually like thinking that loneliness is such a big deal. And for men, loneliness is also a huge, huge topic. It was our first circle topic in Edmonton was about male loneliness because it was yeah. such a prominent issue. Um, so I, to be honest, this idea of connection and community, I think is going to be a big, big resonant idea coming in the next few years. Yeah. And if I can add something, when we're thinking about, you know, the conversation in 2029, like the one thing that I also hope for is I want to have less conversations about masculinity and femininity because when we code things as mm. masculine or feminine, we are always setting up this dichotomy where one thing is valued over the other, right? So when we're talking about leadership traits in the workplace being masculine, women will never measure up. And if we're talking about femininity and caregiving, um, you know, men will not measure up at home. And so when we can humanize these things and these experiences that we all have, we are going to be less separate and more together. And I think that really builds on, on that community and connection piece. Absolutely. What do you want to see in, um, I know we had a conversations before about the media, because uh, I think a lot of them, like the media has, has been a big part of this discussion as well. Um, and how like the death of like the, the traditional culture of the media now it's going to be social media or other kind of independent media streams. Um, I like this idea that you mentioned about not having this binary of like masculinity and femininity and having more of a spectrum around gender. Um, do you think this, this, like the way the media is going to talk about gender is going to evolve as well? I hope so. I mean, you know, we, we touched on it a few different times, whether it be Queer Eye or RuPaul or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like um, right now we're seeing the, for lack of a better term, the radicals of pushing the boundaries around mm -hmm. gender and masculinity. But if we can normalize that for, you know, the everyday average Joe to, you know, be a, you know, quote unquote guy's guy and then be like, I really like knitting and normalize right. that. Or like, you know, just even a CEO taking paternity leave very uh, publicly and normalizing that, right? Like we need role models in that sense that, uh, you know, can still for, again, lack of language, but like pass as, you know, guys, guys, mm -hmm. but, but are, are really embracing the breadth of the human experience. I think that's great. And I think yep. that you know, when we talk about these, these gender-based movements and whatnot, like, let's be careful of, you know, coding things about like, you know, you need to get in touch with your divine feminine to be able to emote, <laughs> like, you know, let's make emoting masculine, right? And right. Uh, 
<laughs> so um, <laughs> really just just breaking past that because uh, if we if we keep doing the masculine feminine thing inevitably what we're doing is the the man box and outside the man box yeah yeah and i think we're going to create another man box that's just going to be it'll be the same kind of ideas that are toxic just they're just going to look a little different and yeah. i think that's that's my worry as well like if i have a worry about the next few years is that we're going to just create another man box and we're going to have this conversation all over again. Um, and we're going to have these issues come out. I hope that doesn't happen. I, I feel like I, I, we're moving in a, at a different trajectory. We're moving in more of an upward trajectory. Like I said, things like me too, hasn't died down. Um, these ideas of, of this, the radicalization of men hasn't died down. Um, and like I said, like when we talked about 2019, like the Gillette ad came out in 2019, that, that to me was such a miles, like a touchstone. It wasn't a milestone. It was a touchstone. It was a, it was a signal to me of like, this is a mainstream conversation and I hope we can keep it as a mainstream conversation. And I hope this doesn't die out. Um, and hope we can just keep it as part of like this is a conversation that involves everything and not just this some little separate bubble that just sits right here. You know, the only path is forward and uh, 2029, uh, I hope to be sitting down with you 42 years old and reflecting <laughs> on this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I did to see the world ahead of us, my friend. Absolutely. So to you, Jake, I hope you have a wonderful New Year's. There's big things coming up with Next Gen Men, I hear. We, uh, what are we doing this year? We're, we're launching two products related to our youth programs. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're growing our community discussions into new cities in Canada. And uh, we're continuing to work with, uh, with lots of different uh, corporations, male-dominated industries, um, and really, you know, uh, this is why I love modern manhood. I uh, love the work that you do, love the conversations we have. We're working to change the culture and the culture happens through storytelling, the stories we, we listen to, the stories we tell. Uh, and I think that's so important and, and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in 2020. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what, uh, what Next Gen Man has in store. We are very excited to to hear about all these new things. And, and I'm also very excited for the new generation, a new generation of men, um, not only that Next Gen Men are helping to to raise, but also like just to seeing what, what young people are going to look uh, at gender in the world because I think that's going to be very prominent and just like we are going to be the ones sitting in the back, uh, like leading from the example of, of this new generation. And I think... Uh, the work that Jonathan, for instance, does in Next Gen Men with those young boys um, is going to be just prominent and important for that. I, I want to add one more thing on that. Mm -hmm. note. Um, you know, for anyone listening, we talked about a lot of poop. You know, we, we only quoted <laughs> a few things as poop, but, but a lot of it was over the last 10 years. And, um, you know, someone once asked me, what, what gives me hope? And it really is that next generation. We are called Next Gen Men for a reason. You know, when I, when I grew up, when I was 12 to 14, I went to Catholic school, uh, so nobody was out. I didn't understand what a trans person was, and mm -hmm. I barely knew what feminist, or I barely heard of feminism. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at the boys that come through our youth programs today, they know all of those things. All oh, yeah. we do is give them permission to stay curious, stay open, and stay out of their way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, great note. Um, and with that, we'll leave you be. Thanks so much for, for joining in. Um, 
you can definitely support Next Gen Men by going to nextgenmen.ca. There's a little support button right at the bottom of every single page. Uh, please support us uh, if you can in 2020. Um, it's going to be a big year for us and a uh, big year for me and big year for Jake and big year for everybody there. Um, and we'll need your, any type of support uh, that you can give us. And But also like read our blogs the blog section is just popping i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it's so good it's so good all, all, all these little blog posts that are popping up in next gen men are just amazing there's just gonna be so much cool stuff so make sure you do that you can check out all the episodes of modern manhood you can go to modernmanhood.org um and just find us wherever you find your awesome podcast uh but also go look out next gen men and uh and if you're in Alberta or if you're in BC or if you're in Ontario uh, or anywhere where there's a circle session going on, go to one. I guarantee you it's going to be a great time. You're going to learn some stuff. You're going to be able to talk to people. You're going to find your community. It's going to be fantastic. Have a wonderful night and we'll see you next time on Mar Manhood.